Welcome to actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, welcome to the 2020s, motherfuckers. Uh, welcome to the 2020s. I'm Caleb Shively. I'm Barbara Walters, and this is Hugh Downs. Okay, sure. Um, so every week on actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies. One of them is brand new. One of them is older, but they like sort of fit together like two best friends giving each other a hug. Yeah, they kiss at the end. Yes, what like end? I said, like like a best for every best friend hug ends in a kiss. I mean, you know this. I mean, how many times have we kissed, it's Caleb? A like a hundred times. On the, uh, right on the lips. Make sure. Make sure. We... Sometimes with tongue, just like a little peck on the lips with tongue. I don't like your tongue kisses. Yeah, well, you, you say that now. So this week on the show, we are talking about uh, the new version of Little Women from writer director Greta Gerwig, uh, and then this was. Caleb's idea. The thing that relates to it, which I think is good, um, is adaptation. The 2002 movie written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, uh, they both star Mer- Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. That is part that of is it. Actually, true. Yeah, uh, I didn't even think about. Yeah, that. they're adaptations that star Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. I mean, that gets better and better. Um, and there's also this week we're trying something new, something great. There's a special guest. Possibly, unless I cut it out. Uh, that's all this week on Actually Best that's Choice right. Movies. 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 Uh, before we get to any of that, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, dog? Uh, bullshit about butts. Uh, you know, saw some one Ooh, name. I love that movie. I do love yeah. that movie. Bullshit about butts. It's great. I <laughs> uh, did see some one name stuff. Uh, Baxter, which is on Criterion cha- uh, cha- Channel. It's about a murderous Baxter. dog. It's kind of cool. Baxter, méfiez-vous du chien qui pense. Then I saw Diane. What, what era is that from? Uh, it's French. It's from the early '80s. Uh, it's very huh. black comedy, but it's uh more more a horror film. It's really weird. It's a weird looking dog too. It's a bull terrier. Is this? Is this? Was this in one of the seasons on Criterion Channel? Uh, I was just flipping through. I just like, oh, what is this? You know what's cool there? So they have some stuff up right now, some Paul Schrader related stuff, mm-hmm. and like, there's they have a laser disc commentary to Taxi Driver mm-hmm. from yep. the '90s at some point they yeah, put I, up I on, which I think is it. awesome. Yeah. I haven't listened to it, but I think that's cool. But I guess that's in the kind of run up to this thing that they're releasing from uh, Alex Ross Perry, this documentary about him i sent this to you right uh paul schrader came out today uh with his movies of the decade list uh he chose to answer my question first i I sent this to you right you you, like you yeah i I knew about about? it yeah they're gonna have it uh, well you you sent me the the event and i said oh yeah they're having it they're gonna put it on criteria so he made this cool documentary about uh paul schrader like the comeback of paul schrader that uh he started filming him and what did he say like years ago right uh yes yeah so anyway, they're having a live event in New York. Neither one of us is going. I would go, but I'm out of town. And uh, then it's going to be on Criterion Channel. But it made me, I felt like I was connecting the dots in my brain yeah. about how they roll things out on Criterion Channel. You guess and it was Paul, very interesting to me. Paul Schrader's movie of the decade was? Was it First Reformed? It was. He picked his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is why you got to fucking love Paul Schrader. Like, that is the most Paul Schrader thing to do. So you went from me watching a movie A Dog on Criterion Channel to a big thing about Paul Schrader. <laughs> Uh, I also saw Diane, which everyone should go check out. It's that Mary Kay Place movie that was on Obama's short list of movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Hi, Mom. How do you feel? This sounds different. I can see that. Diane, you need some peace. Uh, It's very good. Um, I did not see this. It's on Hulu. Luckily, before the Golden Globes, which was last Sunday, last Saturday, I saw this movie 1917. Which I believe is pronounced 1917. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do that on the show? I mean, no, I haven't not seen all. it either. Really? No, I saw, you didn't I saw like it? it? I saw it. Yeah, it's not... I mean, it's we good. have to see it to talk about it on the show. Yeah, it's not, I'm not, I don't want to do it on the show. It's good. Uh, it's just very much overwhelmed by its gimmick. Like, uh, you can't really get in a, a beat on the characters too much. You... Uh, Follow really? the storyline. I don't know that I'm going to agree with all this stuff that you're saying. You, you, didn't you even don't see think it. I know. Well, I know I'm saying I don't know if I'm going to. Well, I'll, I'll continue, keep talking about yeah, it. Yeah, please do. Um, it just so is into the form of uh, 
being that one shot that uh, it's impressive, but then you're like, oh yeah, I, I guess yeah, this, this is I'm supposed to care about this person, and I really, really didn't. Uh, it's cool. Uh, I would say at its best, it's like that's how I felt watching Knives Out. What is this? CSI KFC. <laughs> um, at its best, it was uh, beautifully shot. Roger Deakins suits the shit. Uh, uh, shows multiple foxholes. It's cool. Uh, but then there's just like a lot of walking because it's one shot. Uh, and at its so it just feel like a very billion dollar video game at points. Uh, yeah, sure. So I don't know. I I liked it. I don't think it deserves award recognition outside of uh, the technical aspects of it too. Uh, very much a Dunkirk light. Um, but luckily, uh, also this past weekend, I watched a way better uh, movie with the which got a lot of press for a one take shot. Uh, Long day's journey in tonight from uh, Be Gone. Uh, from China, uh, Be Gone. So uh, the first hour of the movie is just uh, interspersed with, uh, he does long takes, but not uh, one giant one, which is the second half of the movie, which has this really fun thing where it's like you're supposed to, in theaters, which I wish I saw this in theaters, you're supposed to put on 3D glasses. The lead character puts on 3D glasses, falls asleep in a movie theater, and then like it's in 3D, which I wish I saw this in 3D because it gets really fucking cool. It's why I love cinema. Uh, I would, I wish uh, if it was a half of a movie, it was one of my favorite halves of a movie of last year. Oh my God, wait. So it's called The Long Long Day's Journey into Night? Long Day's Journey into Night. Like the play. I don't know the play. Uh, It's a movie by Begon. so it's about uh, he sees he moves back to his hometown. He's just trying to track down uh, a woman that he knew when he was a kid. And so it's like a lot of this like weird detective like conversations. And then just like they'll show uh, a little thing that like, oh, there's some karaoke scenes or like ping pong comes up a little bit. And then it all just like splashes together in this like very dreamlike one take shot, which is absolutely incredible. It's not like a lot of like. In 1917, you could see like, oh wait, I can see that they put a cut in there. But with this, it's just like, how the f- oh, fuck, man? This is like a, so much planning. Like there's a, like there's a ping pong scene. There's a what is the term? Hang a glider, like a zip line scene. Crazy to do on one take. They turn into a bird at one point. So it's I will crazy. just say, I not a, I I wasn't listening, and I apologize for that. Um, but it's because <laughs> it sounds like a very good movie. I agree, from what I picked up. Um, but I just wanted to say it is, there is a, I got worried that I didn't know what I was talking about. There is a play called Long Day's Journey Into Night. It's by Eugene O'Neill. Apparently this is completely unrelated to it, <laughs> but it has the same name for some reason. Oh, cool. Cause I was going to say like, oh, so we did, what relationship does it have to the play? Blah, blah, blah. None. It has none. It has none. I did see Book of Mormon at the Eugene O'Neill theater though. Uh, hey, wait, can I ask good. where, where is this? Did you saw this like, oh, oh. I got it on DVD. Oh, okay. Tight. Very good. If you want, I would say it's way better than 1917. A movie that I liked, uh, but A Long Day's Journey Into Night is just something I just really like overwhelmed me, and I was very glad I saw that. Cool. That's cool, man. Boop-a-doop-a-doo. Um, is that it for you? Is that those are the things you wanted to talk about? Uh, yes. One-shot movies. One-shot movies. Um, One Shot of the Dead we did earlier oh, sure. this year. That was great. I So we had not done this segment for the last two episodes, which is like a, a more than a month in my real life. Which included the holidays and New Year's, and of course I have this beautiful daughter that I'm taking care of all the time. She's so beautiful. Which is just to say I forgot that this is something we do on the show, and I didn't really think about it. So uh, just off the top of my head, I did watch a bunch of stuff, especially over the Christmas period. That's you know, my mom Christmas was here and all that stuff. Um, watched a lot of movies with my mom, actually. But uh, I watched The Two Popes recently. You know, did, did, did you ever see that? Uh, I do want to see it. I like a, I'm a big John Price fan. Nothing is static in nature, not even God. Where should we find him if he's always moving? On the journey? Oh, perhaps we'll find God over there. On the journey, I'll introduce you to him. It is a really good John Price vehicle. I really like him. And it's kind of funny. He's always playing that kind of character recently, like the High Sparrow oh, on sure. Game of Thrones, right? It was very similar. Of course, the, this Pope is good and not a psychopath. But it was interesting because I will say I came into the movie with some Pope knowledge. Like I thought I hated Cardinal Ratzinger and I thought that Pope Francis was like a saint basically. And it based, if you come into it with that, what I would say is the normal point of view, because that's what I think uh, it will change your opinions a little bit. You'll kind of come to the middle on both of them. And obviously they're both just very good people who are trying. And Jonathan Price is like, he gives such a good performance in it. He's just seems like such a good person who's just trying so hard to be 
to bring goodness into the world. He's the actor that's getting pushed out of uh, a lot of best actor talk originally before it came out, but now like now that it's setting down into Oscar time, it's like he's getting pushed out because we don't like olds as much. Well, and the other thing I'll say is it was not like a stellar movie. It was fine. It was definitely fine, but it wasn't like a it it wasn't like one of the best movies of the year to to me. As was much it? as I thought it was interesting and the performances were good. It was it see it felt like you know a small European movie that you see and you're like, oh this is like super weird that this exists. Would you say it's a good get for Netflix? Yes, I would say it's a good get. Except I don't know if people are going to watch it, you know. I mean, did you watch it on Netflix? <laughs> I mean, I watched it on Netflix, of course. Um, but I don't know if people are going to watch Atlantic's it. Atlantic's you know is I mean? on Netflix. There's a lot of good stuff on Netflix I was right actually now. really surprised uh, over the last couple of months, the degree to which the movie's premiere on Netflix drove the conversation on social media. Like, when everybody was watching Marriage Story on the weekend after Thanksgiving, and then everybody was sure. watching... Or The Irishman, I guess. And then Irishman, everybody was watching yeah. Marriage Story, that, that whatever weekend that was. Both were very memed movies. Having seen them both, I definitely felt kind of like... It was funny to see it happening like months after I actually saw it. Sure. Uh, but it was interesting. I mean, that's cool. You know, all good movies. That would be great if people did that for good movies like all the time. I mean, just go see them in the movie theater and then do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, they have a good slate coming up too. They just released that. There was even a fake account making fake oh, movies that, that got shut great. down. That was, I thought, I honestly thought it was real I when know, I first so saw it. Um, Charlie and, Kaufman has a movie coming on Netflix next year. Oh my God. I put this on the account. Did you see this? Oh um, yeah. That thing you posted about uh, Donald killed charlie or yeah but it was because of that weird crazy movie that charlie kaufman has written yeah it's not this movie that's coming on netflix uh i forget what that one's called chaos walking is that what it is yes it's called chaos walking so yeah. this just really quickly been trying to get that made that for a minute so it's called chaos walking the plot summary is a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other each other's thoughts in a stream of images words and sounds called noise and that's noise with a capital n Ooh. the stars of this movie are daisy ridley tom holland nick jonas and mads mickelson uh. and it was written by charlie kaufman it's so weird it's so not a charlie have, kaufman uh, thing credit on uh, kung fu panda too uh, I was just very, very surprised. It's very outside of his oeuvre. So, that, I mean, that's enough of that bullshit. Am I right? It is enough of this bullshit. Let's move on. <laughs> so we're going to move on to this week's first movie. It is Little Women. I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. After 2007's critically acclaimed hit Lady Bird, um, it's easy to assume, although I don't know this to be a fact of 100%, that Greta Gerwig, who you know wrote and directed that movie and obviously had a lot of goodwill for lots of other things that she's done, um, had her pick of projects, like saying to put it very broadly. After a decade of playing and then writing about and directing stories about like very modern women in very modern situations facing obstacles like, you know, terrible men and her own indecision and lack of self-confidence, uh, you know, things that really speak to the moment that we are living in. You know, she seems like the person from the brownstone down the street, right? What a surprise then that she threw herself all the way back to the 19th century to make this adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's book, Little Women. Isn't this the most like old fashioned, proper thing about how women are, what women can do and how they should behave? That's kind of a little, you know, fusty. I mean, yeah, usually, yes. But uh, in this version, I would say from Greta Gerwig, this classic, you know, slight, maybe stuffy story um, feels modern and vital and in conversation with the current moment in a way maybe it hasn't since 1868. Is that going out on a limb? It's a movie transparently made by someone who loves the story and identifies with its concerns and characters more than she's worried about exactly recreating the book little women if you know what i mean it's like this is these are the feelings and the identities that you're getting from it more than the word for word uh book uh it's an extremely emotional movie for me and i am it's almost to me it was like a modern adaptation of shakespeare in that it was like this thing but it's making it more today what did you think about this movie caleb uh i think she really worked hard and it very much shows that uh this movie just couldn't be uh, simple. It had. It couldn't be a singular. It had to work on multiple levels, uh, and she does a good job of that with the very key decision to uh, cut up the timeline. It goes jumps back and forth, which you would only be offended by that if you aren't smart or haven't seen movies. <laughs> uh, I think that's very smart. But like, she really like puts so much thought to it, and it very makes it modern. 
modern editing. She's uh, Nick Howe is her Howie is her editor. It just works for me, and it's such a sophisticated movie. It's very much applies to uh, modern times as we still have less rights for women, it seems. But it's also so accessible too. So it's accessible. so fun. Yeah, uh, I honestly think it's up there, top two or three PG movies of the 21st century. Well, and this is something that you talk about, you or you hit on is like it's a PG movie. Like I definitely felt at certain points like I'm watching a movie for kids and teens, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's a family movie. Yeah, there was in a the little truest, girl in my theater like, who loved it. Yeah, I love. It was great seeing the word. Yeah, I mean, right? I have a little daughter and i i'm like oh, i'm gonna see this movie a thousand times in my life like i'm sure i'm gonna see this movie a thousand times you know there was this great clip that was going around this week of uh it was like a hollywood reporter roundtable of all these directors including greta gerwig mm-hmm. and also like uh martin Todd scorsese phillips, was it it? Todd phillips lots of people and uh the clip is the moderator says to her greta what is cinema Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quiet, Come on. I mean, really, I have to look at this table. Why, why me? God, I don't know. I mean, I know it when I see it. I say that. I mean, That's I know great. when I see it. I... And I, I saw that after I had seen Little Women, and I definitely thought, like, yes, that applies to this movie. Like, it's just... It's just a fucking like such mm-hmm. a movie. You know what I mean? It's a, such a oh, it's the costumes are beautiful, the the houses oh, are beautiful, Lord, yeah. the landscapes are beautiful. Everyone's so like full of emotion all the time. It's respecting the art of like you have seconds to show what people are going to see. Uh, and that's like giving it back to them. Like you said, like there's some beautiful shots in this movie that are just like, wow, uh, I didn't know she uh, was capable of like just holding on like a house or like a hillside and just like I could just watch that little frame for three seconds, and it's beautiful, and oh I'm God. really enjoying myself. So much of it was so beautiful. Like, I mean, I honestly went into this uh, movie not having, like, a huge, very high level of knowledge about Little Women. I'd seen the 90s version, and I have I know some other stuff about it. I know some of the big points of the movie, you know, where it's like... Uh, and this is the thing, too. I don't even remember everyone's name. Okay, can you remember all the girls' names? Yes. Joe, Beth, Amy... And Meg, Meg is the oldest and one. Meg, right, okay. And Marnie is the mother. <laughs> Oh my god! And also, not Lori. to sidetrack myself, but what a performance from uh, Laura Dern! Laura right? Dern. I mean, the year of Laura Dern. Tutor's nineteen. Laura Dern. Very modern. I don't want to say bitchy, but like catty divorce lawyer. Oh, and now with like a very so wholesome, wholesome, loving mother. So loving. So good in this movie. She's so good in this movie, as she's the mom to everyone, and. You know, at certain points, she seems like she's in a more straightforward adaptation of Little Women than everyone else. Oh, yeah. kind of everyone else is acting like bratty teenagers from today. Kind and of Laura Dern that, is uh, like, children, please gather around the hearth. Yeah, but she needed, sells yeah. it, you know. Plant that flag in there and everyone gets to, it just grounds that reality very, very well. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But um, she, and she, yeah, like you're saying, complete transformation. Like it shows, you know, she's got the range, right? Like she's a completely different person with a completely different energy than she is in marriage story mm-hmm. and she just seems like the sweetest nicest person you could ever want to meet in your whole life and you just want to i mean you know it's hard to talk about little women and not just talk about like for me it made me very emotional you know it, it, it's a movie about family and love and loss and you know longing and disappointment and you know everyone in the theater when i saw it was just like crying their eyes out like the whole time uh-huh. basically um, did, did you have that experience? Uh, I could tell that there was, uh, I saw it with my wife, she was getting a little weepy. I uh, heard yeah. some sniffling all around me. Yeah, very, very good movie-going experience. I really didn't have, I don't know, I, I just was like, okay, let's go see Little Women. I want to see Greta Gerwig direct a movie. She heightened my expectation. Uh, I was blown away by uh, by this movie. Right, so this is where I was going, was I came into it not as a huge fan of Little Women, more as a fan of Greta Gerwig and mm-hmm. as a fan of Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet, and obviously Florence Puff? Pew. What is Pew. it? Pew. Lawrence Pew. It's so weird because there's Juliana Hoff. Yeah. And Florence I knew Pew's Pugh. growing up. Pugh. So that's why I know her. I mean, I like her. Obviously, she was so good in Midsummer, but I didn't have high expectations. But she, yeah. like, steals the she movie. She steals obviously. it. Yeah. Uh, Amy always gets short shrift uh, in adaptations of this uh, book. Well, because, uh, first of all, she's supposed to be, like, a tiny child, which she's obviously not mm-hmm. in this version. They give her bangs to make her be a child. I mean, she's, but she's literally supposed yeah, to be, like, 12. She goes from 12, and then at the end, she's 20. Yeah. She, at the beginning of the movie, she is 16. And at the end of the movie, she is 19 in this version, I would say. I mean, I know that's probably not what it's supposed to be, but that's what she looks like, you know? She she is. Uh, she did this in Midsummer too. The actress Florence Pugh, just holding back, uh, and then you could see like like a rage or almost like the tears developing as she's holding back mm-hmm. uh, so many emotions. I think speaking of range in 2019, uh, I'm most excited for, for her going forward. She and she also did a movie with uh, 
fighting with your family that no one saw. Uh, I wanted to see that and I didn't see it. Yeah, it's fine. It's about rest, a family of wrestlers. It's a true story, yeah. yeah Sasha Banks. True story, yeah. 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 So, but it, I just to say, I I thought this is a classic movie. Like this is a classic for all time film that people will be watching like forever. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, even uh, on. Uh, the emotional level, but even a nerdy, dumb level that I could like talking about. Uh, I think it definitely, uh, you mentioned the costuming, uh, costuming is insanely good. So good. Uh, Everybody looks like a Jacqueline million fucking Duran, dollars. Uh, who did Pride and Prejudice, uh, tournament. She won an Oscar for Anna Karenina for costumes. Uh, she's also doing the upcoming, the Batman. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I think it's one of, uh, one of the great, uh, composers of her time, Alexander Desplat, who does so much movies. I can't even get into, he does all of Wes Anderson movies. Uh, won an Oscar for Shape of Water. Does so much. Uh, this is one of his best scores too. Uh, doesn't overwhelm. Just playfully uh, brings it to that old 19th century. And uh, a cinematographer I didn't know I knew. Uh, his name's York Lasso. Uh, he does so many cool shots in this movie. He works with uh, Francois Francois Ozon, uh, Luca Giordano. Olivia Assayas, uh, he recently did High Life. Uh, but this movie is like, holy shit, this is a step up. Uh, this guy's going to get some really good movies going forward. I, mean, I thought it was, it was one of the best looking movies I saw last year. I definitely agree that it was an extremely good looking movie. I mean, and maybe it's just my being an old person and I'm keying into remembering move films from the 80s and, and 90s. But it just, it had that look of a movie that you don't make anymore, like a like an early yeah. 90s Tom Cruise movie or something. Like, uh, it did, like but... what's that one where he's, oh my God, I have to look up Tom Cruise's filmography now. But it's you know what I mean? That's where he's like running through a field of wheat, you know, like films like that, you know, like a river runs through it. Uh, Born like, on the 4th of July? He's no, not, not Born on the 4th of July. in that movie. No. But you know what I mean? Those very, very classy movies that don't get made as much anymore. Sure. Uh... And it's just perfectly, perfectly executed. Uh, and speaking of the Oscar chances too, I really hope Greta gets a nomination for this. I mean, it is always a stack, like every year it's a stacked director field, but people should getting start championing her as she is uh, one of our great, turning into one of our great uh, directors of our time. Uh, she just brought so much of uh, verve and life to it. Uh, and uh, me and Chris were talking about press tours earlier. She's been having a really fun press tour. Chris mentioned the round table. Yeah. Uh, but she's been saying, uh, and I love this line. Uh, I have to read it because I don't want to misquote her. Joe, uh, this is the Cersei, that's the Cersei Ronan lead character of the book. Joe was the heroine of my youth, but Louisa May Alcott is the heroine of my adulthood. Uh, that's great. So good. And it really speaks to like how she respected the source material. And if we want to get into a little bit about the ending, which reaches a little bit of meta aspects, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, I think people have been a little like, whoa, shocked by it. But I think it works very, very well. Can I just say the Tom Cruise movie I was thinking of oh, was sorry, Far and Away. Far and Away. Oh, I thought it was just Away. It's called Far and Away. Far and. Gotcha. 1992. Um, yeah, the meta aspects of the the ending are definitely interesting, and it's a bit of a departure from the from the text, as far as I'm given to understand it. Yeah, uh, but not from real life, where Lucy May Alcott did really did not want to uh, have that ending and had to be talked into it, which like Joe had to be talked into it and took money and copyright. Uh, that's very much to what true life is, which is very, again, meta and heady. And, yeah, I mean, and it's very uh, interesting. I mean, I think it makes the, the movie more interesting. It really does. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to quote. Uh, and I mean, why not? Why not put it in there? You know? It's, oh, it, totally. It, it, and I think it, it emotionally fits the movie. You know what I mean? It, oh, oh, 100%. Uh, she, uh, Greta Gerwig said she wanted she wanted to pull off was, what if you felt the same feeling she gets when she sees her book for the first time, the way you generally feel about a girl getting kissed? Like, she really wants that to be... The same feeling. Her quote was, it's not girl gets boy, it's girl gets book. <laughs> She's so good at this press That's tour. That's great. Shit. <laughs> I mean, but that is really true. And I did yeah. feel that as somebody who, you know, whatever, like little creative things I've done, like written in magazines and stuff, getting the thing that it, it's magic, it feels like magic. I mean, it made me mm -hmm. long for the, you know, I was very trying to sell a book for like a year and I, I was anticipating that feeling so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, she had a fight for this that ending too. Uh, like she, uh, they did, they wanted to. Oh, just show the uh, happy ending. Don't even show her in the book uh, talking to Tracy Letts' character. I mean, it is like a hard no. sell. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. But she was just like, no way. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, that'd be. That's not my movie to just jump cut to this happiness or like them running to the car. No, she really wanted to respect uh, Lucy May Alcott and what she went through to get this book done. And it really makes separates it from the other. Uh, I think there's three other versions of yeah. Little Women. So, you know, speaking of other versions of Little Women, like, I don't, 
I don't have a huge level of Little Women knowledge, as I was saying, and I know you don't. Either. Yeah, I, just I know saw you just that Googled 90s all one. this shit that you are saying right now. So, but I do know a Little Women expert that I wanted to rope in to the show. Uh, and that person is my mother. Her name is Robin Chafin. And I'm just going to call her on the phone real quick. And then <laughs> I'm going to talk to her about... So I forced... I called her up yesterday and I forced her to go see this little woman, which she had to fit in between two separate book club meetings Whoa. that she was having on two different days. Just to hear a little bit about like, how do, how does this rank against other adaptations and against the book itself as someone who like, just to establish my mom's bona fides, she has like... I when I was talking to her about this yesterday, she texted me a picture of the illustrated edition of Little Women she has within like one minute of me starting to talk to her, which means that she like knew where it was in the house enough <laughs> that she could get to it, get a picture and send it. My mom did, cannot take a picture and send it quickly of anything, but she had this like Little Unless Women cover like quickly. Very excited. So anyway, yes, we're just going to call her right now. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Mom. Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry I'm calling so late. <laughs> That's call okay. Earlier. Don't worry about it. All right. Thank you. I'm here. Caleb is here also. Hi, Robin. Hi, Caleb. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I said, it makes me feel like David Letterman's mom. <laughs> I so. know it's your lifelong ambition to be David Letterman's mom, so I'm glad I could make it happen for you. <laughs> Oh, that makes that makes it your lifelong ambition to be David Letterman, I guess. But. You look, we both know this is an agreement that we went into at some time in the early '90s. But I'm sorry I didn't make good on it until now. That makes yeah, Paul I Yes, congratulations. Well, I guess it does. <laughs> so, Mom, I I was saying I was bragging about how I called you up yesterday and forced you to go see this Little Women uh, adaptation. Yes. Um, you found yes. time for it. It, it, it. I was right. It's in between two different book club meetings. It's, it's, is that right? It, no, one was last night and one was today, but I was making cookies for my second book club yesterday. Oh, right. Um, so I had to make cookies and then go to the movie and then go to my book club at night. So, yes, it was a little hectic since I wasn't planning on it. And I know you were saying but I did you hated it because you, you, um, you have to pick your seat on the website. I don't like that at all, no. <laughs> and this time, though, it was easy because apparently there was almost nobody else in the mo- in the movie theater, so I had my choice of any seat now, was whatsoever. was this at, like, 4 p.m. on a Thursday? Is, is... Yes, on a, it was on a Wednesday, yes. No, yesterday, right? You went yesterday. Right. Yeah, I, right. I do appreciate that I can call you and you will drop everything Aww. to go see a Little Women adaptation. That's, like, very <laughs> cool. Very nice, yes. <laughs> how much I love you. <laughs> and in Little Women, let's be honest. Um, so I was, I was planning to see it. So, yeah. Well, right, because I was saying to Caleb, like, you are the reason I know anything about Little Women. Like, you unprompted <laughs> have said several times about how you, like, made us all go see Little Women with you. Like, what did you say? Like, I've seen enough dumb movies with you people. Well, I, I said <laughs> that I had... You know, it was me and you and your dad. And so the three of us had been to see many, say, Batman movies and um, Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, any any kind of uh, other things, too, that, you know, not necessarily the things that I like. And I really wanted to see that adaptation of Little Women. And so I thought, why can't they come with me to see that? So I asked you to do it, and you both did it. And neither one of you complained, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it was a good movie. I don't have like a really strong memory of it, but I, I remember that I remember it, was it was a, a good big movie. Christmas movie of its time. <laughs> you know what I remember from it particularly was just Susan Sarandon in a certain brown dress oh, yeah. and how lovely she looked. I don't know. She was Marnie. Oh, that's really. Oh, she was Marnie. Yeah. Okay. Mar- is it yeah. Marnie or Marmie? Or? Marnie. Marmie. Like, like mommy, but with an R. Marmie. Well, so, Mom, I know that you're a Little Women fanatic, and I was saying you also took us to the Alcott house in uh, Massachusetts. We did go there. Not only did we go there, I bought a, a souvenir, a framed picture of the house, which I have to this day on display. So, I remember when I was a kid feeling like Little Women was really scary because of, like, uh, <laughs> you know, because of uh, What's-Her-Face Falls Through the Ice, Amy? Amy Falls Through the Ice. Amy yeah. Falls Through the oh, Ice. Uh, oh, Amy Falls Through the Ice, yes. Beth, then Beth dying. Like I remember finding it right. very frightening for some reason. <laughs> well, but, that's funny. Yeah. Since you watch so many, you know, truly frightening movies. <laughs> I guess that's true, right? But it seemed more real. It's, it was frightening, more frightening because it was more real. 
one of the main things I wanted to hear from you was like, I know this movie is different than other versions of Little Women, and I was wanted to hear from you like as a as a classic old school Little Women fanatic. Like, what did you <laughs> think about it? Did like did you okay, like the well, changes? Did you not like them? And have you seen all the all three different? Uh, uh, well, four I have seen the one from the '30s and the one from the '40s, and then that one in the '90s. If there was another one, I haven't seen it. This I'm kind of I've seen it on TV. <laughs> no, so, seen this I've, one. I've seen I've seen four now. Yeah. So. <laughs> And yes, the other, seen... the older two, I've seen several times on TCM because I watch that a lot. Sure. So. Yeah, so you've seen all the adaptations and you've read the book maybe 1,000 times. <laughs> maybe four or five, yeah. And been to the real-life house where it took place. Correct. I, I loved actually being there because I could picture, you know, certain things. And I really did enjoy being there. Also, we went to the, uh, if you would call this, we went to the cemetery in Concord. Where, where since they they showed a picture of them at the cemetery in the in this movie, and I thought, oh, that's where Beth is buried. <laughs> oh yeah, the cemetery that we went to, which you know a lot of famous people are buried there, Thoreau, and you know I just know him for sure, Emerson probably. Well, so yeah, so as someone with this like deep well of knowledge, what like what did you think <laughs> about this? Um, okay, first I'll say that. Okay, tell me how to say her name. Is it Sersha? Uh, yeah. Sersha Ronan, I thought I thought she was an excellent Joe. She really did, um, you know, project that vivacity and you know the, mm-hmm. that Joe has. So I thought she was really good. But really, you know, it was just, in my opinion, just sort of okay because a lot of things. Um, first of all, I'm very familiar with the book, but I, okay, when you guys watched it, were you able to follow it because it was sort of not always clear when they were jumping from one time frame to another and i thought that i thought that would be confusing if you're not really familiar well, with was, it. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a a good modern take for it uh i thought it okay added uh made it something uh different and added like a layer of uh the greta gerwig's house style of fast pacing fast paced movie yeah and I mean, I will say, so I, okay. I, I was saying I didn't remember the plot very well. I just remembered certain big mm-hmm. incidents, but I, sure. I, I was able to follow mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I, I was able to follow it. Okay. Yeah, I, I because, I mean, in one scene, Beth is dying, and then all of a sudden, she's just sick the first time, and she's not dying. She's, you know, getting better. Yeah, Beth so. was the hardest one to follow for me because I always looked at their haircuts to see, like, that was like, <laughs> exactly. my, my, tail, my, my tail, but, like, Beth always looked very much the same. <laughs> she did always look very much the same. Exactly. That's right. And and I, I will say I, another, to me, this was a flaw, okay? The hair was, like, totally wrong. Uh-huh. Like, wrong in, every, in, wrong in everybody's, What do you mean? Okay, um, for example, all of those girls should have had their hair up, and particularly Marmy. Her, you know, no self-respecting mother would have her hair flowing down her back like Laura Dern did. That's interesting. That just would not have happened at I that time. I would never even have thought about that as a thing. And it just drove me crazy, actually, because their hair was all so modern, sort of messy, like in a modern, you know, kind of way. But that was completely inauthentic, completely. So I, I kind of, it, I found that irritating, scene after scene. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if it was irritating you at the beginning, it never stopped. Sure. So it just kept going the whole time. <laughs> well, particularly, particularly um, Laura Dern, because she was the mom. And, you know, like I said, no self-respecting mother would have had her hair flowing down her back. That's just, you know, in, in those times, it was a big deal when a girl reached a certain age, 15, 16, then she started to turn her hair up. And that, you know, signaled that she was a woman. Mm. I mean, I was saying to Caleb before, this movie, it's almost like when there's an adaptation of Shakespeare that is in in a different time, like Nazi Germany, uh, Henry V, or Henry, Richard III, you know. <laughs> or in Haiti for, for Othello, or, so, oh, exactly. you know, or, um, you know, it's or, like, or Macbeth. It's Mac- taking right. the, the base, the thing, but kind of doing something with it, right? With Without really making it modern fully, but, but it's kind of modern. They were making it more modern, definitely, and yet... It was still set in the 1860s, which right, is, of right. course, which I looked it up today. It was actually published in 1868. I was surprised that it was published, you know, in other words, not long after the Civil War. That's true, so, yeah. Well, that's why it's so, such a big part of the movie, you know, the audience, or the book, you know, the audience well, is, like, right there on it, you know. 
Yeah, but you know, Civil War is not really too much part of the movie, actually. But I, I was just surprised. It could have easily been set back a few years when it was written. You know, I, um, anyway. So we were but, talking about the president. and the, the whole concept of of having it set around. Okay, Louisa going in to have her novel published, that was also, you know, a little bit modernistic, of course. And, you know, oh, oh okay, you can have this kind of ending, yeah. A woman has to either be married or dead at the end of the movie. Yeah, what did you think right? about that? Like, what did you think about that, that whole part? Uh, you mean the... It was like kind of... I, I, wasn't, I wasn't, you know... <laughs> I, I didn't love it. I yeah. didn't love it. But it was, it was okay. It, it rang true in a certain way, of course. I think that's probably similar to how things were. But um, I don't know that that was ever, you know, particularly, specifically something that, that I knew about or anything. But I think it, I, I, can, I can see it. But setting it up like that was weird. Uh, see, there was something else I was going to mention. <laughs> what am I thinking of? <laughs> uh, what would you say is your uh, favorite adaptation uh, of this, uh, from what movie what is your favorite? You know, one? I would say the one from the '90s was my favorite. Ooh, really interesting. I think they got they got it best. They got it closest to to real. Well, I guess because the other two, I, I think the second one, the one in the '40s, is almost almost a word for word remake of the first movie of the yeah. one from with Catherine Hepburn and then later June Allison. I think it was almost word for word, you know, remake. But I really did like that one in the 90s. I thought that was, although I've only seen it one time, I'd like to see it again. Oh, really? You only saw it the one time? Well, you know, it's not really ever on TV. I, I never, like, rented it, in the, you know, when you used to rent movies, because yeah, I've I know. seen I'm gonna it. I'm going to get you this movie on iTunes, like, right now. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know one of the other big differences throughout the four movies is the the professor uh, that... Yes. Isn't it? Um, what do you think about the... Uh, this professor, and I think he skews way younger, from what I could tell. Yeah, he was—he was really—he was too young. He was way too young to be the professor. Okay, um, yeah. So I did love Gabriel Byrne as a professor. He was fantastic. Oh, I yeah. do. I like him. So okay, that's—that's that's me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he's very lovable. I mean, no, I mean, yeah. Why would you not love Gabriel Byrne? I mean, I guess I mean, it was he's trying good to make it like, he's, you know, it was trying to make it like. Like she still got to be with someone cute, you know. Like even though it was their connection wasn't was more intellectual, it's like for the audience and for the character they wanted to have him still be hot, you yeah. know. You're talking about yeah, this, this movie, this, this, movie, this, this one, yeah, movie, yeah. yeah, exactly, right. But I, I did not. That guy did not impress me as <laughs> in any way as being the professor. And honestly, you know, there were a lot of people in that movie that I like. But I didn't really care for Meryl Streep as as Aunt March either. Oh, really? I think she, she was very angry. Yeah, I know. Even though I love Meryl Streep. Why did you? Like, but, you didn't like the way she was playing the character, or she didn't like? Exactly what I'm saying. The wrong That's way what I'm saying. Now, the way the way she played the character somehow it didn't come across to me in the way that I think Aunt March should be. Okay, that's all I can like, tell like you. Too mean or too silly or no? In a way, she was not mean enough. She was not stern oh. enough. Oh, interesting. She was. She was. She had a softer side to her that that uh, that you could, well, or maybe it's because it's Meryl Streep, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you just kind of know her and are bringing something to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Everything. Yeah. Um. What did you think about uh, Timothy Chalamet, the guy who's the cute little uh, Lori? Yeah, Lori, yeah, cute little Lori. <sighs> yeah, I thought he looked too young. Also, I mean, <laughs> sure, he needs to be young earlier, but you know, I spent last night re- rereading part of the end of the book, and you know, by the end of the book, Lori, by the time he marries Amy, he's like maybe 27 or 28 or 29. I mean, he looked, he looked like he was 15 pretty much the whole time to me. So, Yeah, I mean, that guy in real life, I guess, is like 25. But he did, I thought he is looked he? younger he than any time I'd ever seen him in anything. And he might play Bob yeah. Dylan next. Oh, yeah, he's going to play Bob Dylan in a movie now. Next. Oh, okay, I can see him as Bob Dylan, young Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, really? Course, yeah. <laughs> okay. I can see him as Bob Dylan, absolutely. But really, I did not I did not like him as Rory. I mean, he was fine as far as, as the actor is concerned. It's just his looks that I did not care sure. for, you know. And he also, he had that really elaborately tousled hair, you know, that's oh, yeah. uh, very modern yeah. but not not very historically authentic. 
Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that might be it, Mom. I think we just wanted to, you know, get like touch in with touch base with okay. an expert and hear because okay, yeah. neither one get, of us is the... really that familiar with yeah. it. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, we are, but we're not. You know, we're familiar with it in the way we're sure. generally familiar with culture. You know, but not not well, in an intimate yeah. way, like in the way that you are. And you look at it in a different way than you're looking at it as a movie, which you know, and as a movie, it was it was good. But I wonder if it isn't confusing to a lot of people. Several people said to me. Grace mentioned to me that she had seen it and that she found it confusing, and my friend Lent said the same thing. So, and these are people who read the book. So that's interesting. I mean, what did you think about the idea that it was just kind of trying to communicate, like the emotions you might feel reading this book as a child, rather than the exact reality of what happens in the book? You know, is that an um, argument that's to you? I'm not sure that I picked up on that. I guess I'm not. You know aware enough to well, no, figure I just that mean out. That it's like it's like the emotional reality rather than like the literal text you know yeah well you know that's not that's not out of the ballpark in my opinion i remember what else i was going to say which was there's lots of little lines in there you know little um women's lib kind of things which you know while i endorse the thought and perhaps i i don't feel you know that was not that was also kind of anachronistic i thought in the hmm. so so general. So let's say generally, you have to give it a grade. Like what? Where? 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 where, where is it, are you saying giving it like a solid B or a? Oh, okay, one to ten. Oh, you would like a grade A, B, C. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and you can do plus B. and minus also. I, I might give it a B minus. A B minus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. I mean, full disclosure, I think me and Kayla both liked it. Were you not, like, choked up? People were, like, sobbing. In the, in the oh, my God. I well, I, I was mad at myself. I forgot to bring tissues. When, Of <laughs> course, I'm always going to cry when Beth dies. You know, that's going to always happen because it's <laughs> just so sad. So, oh, my God. You know, it, it was uh, sure. But, you know, that's because of the story of, you know, the story that they're using. So right. that's, you know, now I'm comparing it to other movies that are... On, based on the same story, so. Well, all right, Mom. Okay, thank you so make much. it a B instead of a B minus. That's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Okay, once <laughs> I once I it reminds me of an old Saturday Night Live skit, but you've probably never seen it. <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> when they used to do the bees, and someone comes to the to the yeah, door of the professor and says, "Let me tell you about this. This I want to complain about this bee you gave me," and he goes on and on and on. Probably um. Uh, Gilda Radner, but anyway, and then finally the guy gives her like a baby dressed up like a bee. He says, "Okay, it's a B plus." <laughs> so <laughs> ridiculous. That's very old. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so. Well, thank you so much, Mom. This was really great. I really appreciate your time. Lovely to talk with yes, you. Yes, thank you for doing it. Thanks, Mom. Thank you. If I listen to you, I hope you don't make fun of me too much. <laughs> oh, look, the extent that we're going to make fun of you is happening while we're talking to you. <laughs> Okay, great. Fine, I can take that. Okay. All right, talk to you later. <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I was really interested by it. Timothy Chalamet's performance, I just thought he was really fucking dreamy. Uh, a friend of mine who was a straight adult man said to me, like, oh, you know, I didn't really get Timothy Chalamet in that movie. I, I, didn't, think, I didn't think it was very good. And I said, he's dreamy. Like, that's, that he's really dreamy. Uh, and he was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Even say, uh, like, 19th century, 19th century fuckboy in that, like, yes, definitely, he was, 100%. Uh, took a lot of the projections from each of the uh, four main sisters of the March girls. Yeah, uh, I did feel at certain points that he was just like a romance ghost yeah. that would show up whenever any of the girls needed romance, mm -hmm. you know? Like, he just kind of materialized and said something nice to them. All had good scenes with it. And then it's always such a good scene uh, when uh, Joe says, I don't love you, and just talks about love. Uh, Joe's so good. It really is Saoirse's movie. I love, movie, yeah, yeah. Saoirse, it's Saoirse's movie, and she is so fantastic in mm -hmm. it. One of our great young actresses, just turned 25, might get her fourth Oscar nomination, 25. Wow, that's uh, crazy. If we're going to talk about the cast, I'd be remiss to not talk about my favorite person in the entire world. Oh, sure. Bob Odenkirk coming yeah. in and saying, oh, my, oh, my little women. <laughs> so this comes at a very emotional time in the movie. I mean, spoiler alert, it's like Meg is dying or has just died. Mm -hmm. And then Bob Odenkirk comes in. Everybody's sobbing their eyes out. He's the, coming back from the war. In the father. theater that I'm in. And then Bob Odenkirk walks in and everyone starts laughing. I've heard from multiple people that this happens like in multiple screenings. People start laughing. My friend Ricky who said he was in the theater with Jessica St. Clair and some other comedy women just like totally randomly just like at the Arclight in L.A. And they were all losing their shit like laughing as soon as Bob Odenkirk walked Brings in. Brings the energy. It just he takes you out of it somehow. Like he really looks like he's in a sketch. Especially, especially in the first scene. He's, yeah. 
because he says little women because he's wearing a funny little hat and because it's like such an emotional you're so emotionally vulnerable you're just like oh what the fuck <laughs> like why is <laughs> and it almost seems intentional to me in a way i mean he's like a very famous comedian and greta gerwig is choosing to introduce him in the middle of a really depressing scene mm-hmm. it's almost like an intentional bit of like mood lightning you know if, <laughs> if you're the kind of person that would get it but i will say as the movie went on i found him less funny and distracting oh, yeah, he's, I, a good he just, he's just a good actor after that it's just really just the first scene well that's enough of that let's talk quickly about the movie we're running like hell along today it's we already, have some editing to do it's already yeah well that is true uh the second movie today is 2002's adaptation the book has no story there's no story make one up okay we open with laroche no we open at the beginning of time okay we open with laroche crazy white man we open on charlie kaufman fat bald ugly paces myself into my screenplay that's kind of weird huh to talk about charlie kaufman is to talk about talking about charlie kaufman and that's me being cute uh charlie is a celebrated screenplay writer a quote genius if you will and after experiencing huge success with his script for being john malkovich uh, from bafta to mtv movie award recognition uh, charlie kaufman quite possibly did one of the biggest flex moves he managed to get nick cage meryl streep chris cooper chris cooper in a meta film about the movie itself being written, where Charlie is the lead character. This movie as an adaptation. Uh, helping smooth out the bumps in a self-eating screenplay is the presence of one Donald Kaufman. Donald is the brother of Charlie and is also fictional. Despite being fictional, Donald received an Oscar nomination. Flex! Plot-wise, adaptation is a movie about writing a book simply about flowers with Streep playing author Susan Orlean and Cooper playing the author's muse, which he won an Academy Award for performance for, and it's one of the great Oscar wins of my lifetime. A lot to unpack here. Uh, loneliness, artificiality, Charles Darwin, Judy Greer. Chris, let Judy us unpack. Greer. Judy Greer's yeah. naked in this movie. Judy Greer's naked, possibly for the only time in her career. And Meryl Streep might be naked, but it's just like yeah, a Photoshop. It's, it's obviously <laughs> yeah, it's very a Photoshop. Funny. There's obviously we are getting Photoshop. ahead of ourselves. Um, um, so yeah, it's it was interesting to see this movie. I haven't seen it in years. I mean, it's one of those films like uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that exists from a particular time in history. Like, let's say that the absolute peak of DVDs. This is like a real yeah. DVD movie. Like, how many times have you seen the cover to this DVD in your lifetime? It's a good poster, yeah. Flower pot, oh, I, all yeah, white. Uh, You've just it's just part of the fabric of existence, but I probably hadn't gone back and watched it in ten years. Like and that's being generous. Uh, probably more I probably than that. in ten years I've probably seen it maybe like five times. Oh really? Well, yeah, well, I, I love good. it. It's, it's a, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I just haven't I haven't gone back and watched it. It was really interesting to see. I mean, it, we were talking about this today, but it puts you in mind of a totally different time in the film industry, mm-hmm. right? When there were a this was kind of the pinnacle of good filmmaking was two thousand two, yeah. Real weirdos getting to make movies about what real gross weirdos they were. And it was, I mean, it's fantastic. I don't mean to make this sound bad. I love this. We're talking about like the movies from Todd Salons. We're talking about like early, um, early David O. Russell. Early David O. Russell. uh, Yeah, exactly. Disaster. Um, and it was just to be thrown back into that mindset, you know, early Wes Anderson. You early know. Wes Anderson, I would throw uh, Magnolia in there. I mean, uh, yeah, Magnolia for uh, sure. This is a time where David Lynch made Mulholland Drive, which I think is his best I mean, movie. Todd Salons, like imagine Todd Salons trying to make a comedy about a pedophile yeah, he, today. He, I it would never, believe. it would never happen in a million years. He has years. his cult followers now. Yeah, it was something. I was trying to think about it last night. It's something about I think because of the like religious right in the United States in the 1980s and 90s, becoming like a real weird pervert became like the literal coolest thing you could be. <laughs> and so that by the time we get to the late 90s and early 2000s, there's this like real, real celebration of gross perverts. Like they're the most oh, yeah. popular uh, people in I would the say that started uh, 1994. So it's like truly uh, rebellious, you know? Uh, with, yeah, rebellious, pervert. Those are two ro- I mean, words like that describe... Cecil B. Demented, I, w- I would you know? say... Uh, John the, Waters movies, right? I mean, Yeah, I would say uh, those two words perverted and uh, rebellious uh, was the one and that started in 1994 uh, with a big indie boom which happened with uh, Pulp Fiction uh, an auteur movie if there ever was but a movie that is just all about movies in a way Uh, and that is a movie on its own class it's uh, like I'm saying right now it changed cinema in a way but again indie boom and so like all these uh, young filmmakers and that was 94, so uh, Todd Solon's got to make, like, what was his first? Welcome to the Dollhouse came out in 95, yeah, oh and like, Happiness uh, was 98. Just weird screenplay-first movies, which is a yeah. wonderful thing. Uh, maybe nowadays with uh, less indie... Ghost World, American Splendor. Oh, sure, American you know, Splendor. Like... I love American Splendor. 
one of my favorite Oscar nominations was American Splendor. <laughs> it's so weird. But this is just just to be thrown back into a time where this was what a good movie is like. And it's, Charlie Kaufman getting to write stuff. And you know, good and it, lord. And it's I mean, it, it is. It, it's it's a movie about writing where they talk endlessly about screenwriting, and you realize at a certain point they're describing the movie that you're watching. Um, he and, says lines to the movie as he's saying lines to the I mean, movie. Yeah, it's amazing. It's meta in a way no movie has been meta before or since. Uh, um, and it was successful at it, too. And was oh, a successful movie. Yeah. Like, was so popular. Four Oscar nominations, two Golden Globe wins, and one Oscar, Oscar win. win. Yeah, yeah, for Chris Cooper, who is uh, flooring. I could, let's, I, uh, there's a lot to talk about. We could talk about how good Chris Cooper, who was in Little Women. We didn't really talk about him in Little right, Women. He's yeah. the uh, kindly neighbor. That, He's great in Little Women. Uh, but in this movie, uh, like, I wasn't really aware of Chris Cooper before this. Uh, I probably was. I don't know. There's probably a movie I'm, I'm missing. But anyway... Uh, Holy shit, Chris oh Cooper God, in this movie. Right. Uh, he plays like a weird creep, but there's, as it's written, it's like he is this weirdo, but th- there's uh, a text under it. And it's very much written this way because they say it's written this way. <laughs> but right, he's like a disgusting weirdo on on a very, like from the moment you see him. Mm-hmm. But then you also find him like irresistibly compelling. Yeah. And you learn more and more about his character. It's and so like hard and impossible to do because uh, they say how crazy he is, like, in this movie, like there's a movie that talking about how they talk about people, uh, it just establishes like, oh, uh, Tilda Swinton's character always comes up. LaRoche is such a fun character. Like that's how she always starts. <laughs> He's a such a fun <laughs> character. Yeah, I know. But uh, to the real heart of this movie is that he really is like a heart to this movie. <laughs> yeah, he really is because he's the only person kind of, I mean... I was going to say he's the only person acting like totally purely and without any like ego or second guessing. But I mean, I guess that's not really true. Uh, you could, yeah, you could probably break it down into all the characters, but it, it's him and Streep in this movie. Streep, uh, he plays Muse to Streep, to Susan Orlean. There's this like really powerful scene where Chris Cooper is telling her why, what happened to him. And it's uh, that his wife, he was in the car and his wife and his mom and his uh uncle or someone uh died in this horrific car crash it's a weirdly shot scene it's very very good uh and i thought it's uh and i always forget about this uh the next very next scene is cut to uh, a dinner party in new york oh, I know. uh it's meryl streep and her husband her husband's played by curtis hansen at a dinner party we're just talking, like this carry this guy is so it's so weird what do you have fertilizer in his car that's so dumb uh and it's her like laughing at it and then like yeah. slowly like realizing what she's doing and excusing herself and looking in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, it is very interesting. Uh, this the treatment of Susan Orlean, right? Apparently, mm-hmm. she. I was reading some interview with her, and her first reaction upon getting the script was to say, like, no, no obviously not. No. <laughs> you can obviously cannot make this movie because in the movie she's painted as like an insane drug addict who tries to commit murder and is you know based cheating on her husband and is kind of a fraud. But what I think is interesting is at the beginning of the movie, it's it's very hard to try to explain the plot of the film, but just very briefly, it's like Charlie Kaufman is uh, hired to adapt the movie, the, the book, The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean. And the movie is about him trying to adapt it, mm-hmm. but at the same time features parts of the adaptation. And then eventually he gets around to figuring out how to adapt the movie, which is to do it in the way that the movie you've been watching is made. Mm-hmm. And that's when the movie's most like eating itself, most like an uh, Ouroboros. 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 Uh, the whole meta aspect allows the movie to not only explain all its decisions it's doing, uh, even it allows it to uh, call itself out too. Like there's even a part where uh, Nick Cage, Charlie Kaufman calls out the orchids thief that book itself for being too meandering right. it criticizes its own source material and it even criticizes its own uh self uh like it's like it's solipsism it's self-congratulating art He's yeah. like i'm ouroboros and then there's all there's all sorts of other stuff like that too like so the movie right um the other thing it has is there's uh charlie kaufman the character played by nick cage and then there's donald kaufman who's his twin brother right and they set it up as donald is like an idiot and at first you could accept it very easily donald is like an idiot and then he also gets interested in writing a screenplay mm-hmm. so they have all these conversations about screenplays and you realize that one of the first things donald has the screenplay idea he, t- he tells charlie and charlie says like multiple personalities is completely played out see every over their movie ever like it's it's really not an interesting thing to do and then you realize like that is what's happening in this movie this is a movie about multiple personalities basically and it it tells you right at the beginning like this is such a stupid device like i can't believe anyone ever uses this uh donald uh, exists as a contrast to charlie uh he's loud but confident he's sociable but naive uh he kind of represents uh, uh as he's writing this very dumb impossibly stupid uh cliche script uh 
he represents like a cash in mindset where Charlie's always saying like, I just want to make a movie simply about flowers or he was always championing the art or uh, the quietness of, of what he's doing. My, uh, where Donald says stuff like my genre is thriller. Yeah. And it's like a, a very beautifully written pot shot at Hollywood itself. But at the same time, I think it's also saying it's Charlie Kaufman because like these are both aspects of him and it's like you have to be both of these people. Like, and he's, I feel like it's him writing about like there's this version of me that is, is this person that hangs out with movie stars and like gets millions of dollars to do these things and you have to do this to a certain extent, but then that's not like the real me. Like it's this kind of dichotomy. And then also I would say there is a moment towards the end of the movie. Oh, the end of the movie. Well, not the very end, (laughs) but where, because the whole time obviously Charlie is Charlie Kaufman and Donald's is this kind of joke. But then as you get towards about three quarters of the way through the movie, it starts seeming like Donald is the real Charlie and like Charlie is kind of fake because it's like when they go down to Florida and I was gonna say, Donald starts, is like very active. That whole thing starts for me, uh, right, it's right before they go to Florida, is when uh, he's in New York. He oh, refuses right. to meet Susan Orland. And he sees, Charlie refuses uh, to meet Susan But Orland. then he goes to a Robert McKee uh, screenplay class. Robert McKee is a real person. Robert McKee is a kind of a huge joke, but not at all. Like he's very regarded as a good storyteller. And like his classes, like uh, Peter Jackson took his classes uh, in the day. Like he knows... Sound structure. And it's played by Brian Cox, uh, who's like from he's you know, a goddamn now. treat. He's uh, so good. So in this good movie. in this movie. He has like two scenes, and he's fantastic. Absolutely in them. Uh, a treat in this movie. Uh, but also, when I was looking about Robert McKee, uh, Robert McKee has never got a movie produced. Like he sold screenplays; <laughs> they were never actually optioned. Like, and and everyone's like, "Why do you believe this?" And even Charlie uh, kind of makes fun of him. I don't think he got permission to use Robert McKee's <laughs> like this at all. Uh, it's not kind to him, but it's not mean to him too. And that probably goes back to how good Brian Cox is in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it just represents like a different point of view of screenwriting, right? Like Charlie is this guy who's endlessly beating himself up to try to represent truth. And then you're saying also, well, there's just people that want to make entertainment and, you know, sell screenplays. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Uh, But that's where the movie flips into uh, Donald's, where it turns into uh, a movie more about all those cliches were uh, well, there. They all start happening. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Donald interviews Susan Orlean in her office and then Turns Donald out, is kind of taking yeah. charge of the things that are happening. And then very Donald movie like yeah. things start it starts happening. Like things that are impossible that happen. Sex like, and drugs and uh, murder and alligator attacks and like all kinds of nonsense. Like, I think there's happening. something else there. And then it turns out he's right. Uh, she is going. She does still have a relationship with John LaRoche. Oh God, uh, he finds that it... out through uh, looking through binoculars at another hotel. <laughs> oh, and they also find it out by going because at a certain point <laughs> LaRoche starts saying he has a porn website, and they're like, "Have you ever been to LaRoche's porn website? We gotta go." And they go I'm there. Do some research. And then there's <laughs> Meryl Streep naked on the front page of this website. Bingo. Then they go like, down. We're to going Florida. down to Florida. <laughs> it's like it just turns into this really a dumb chase scene. thriller. There's, uh, there's multiple chase scenes uh, through uh, a swamp. And someone dies by getting eaten by an alligator. <laughs> A huge they car turn, crash. They turn. Uh, a, a, they say a line earlier uh, where um, Charlie's talking about the screenplay. I don't want them to turn uh, the flowers into drugs or anything. And then this, they turn the flowers into drugs. <laughs> the flowers into drugs. Yeah, and they're all snorting flowers, getting high on it in some like unspecified way. They're just being like weird. Yeah, you know. And of course, uh, Donald sacrifices himself. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, Donald. There's so many like little himself. tiny jokes. Uh, it, like when they first Donald, when he's uh, Charlie's first being nice to Donald, tries to start singing "Imagine Me and You," but then when Donald dies, Charlie's there, like "Imagine Me and You and You." So, yeah, oh my it's god, so fucking like like a f you to like others people who wrote this down in the screenplay. Like he even has like a kind of a good line, uh, but it's so like corny, uh, absolutely hilarious. Uh, you are what you love, but not what loves you back. That's a good sentiment. Yeah. But the way it's in this movie, it's like, I believe it, but also like Donald saying it. It's just, yeah. I mean, this is, again, it's from an era when a movie was unabashedly afraid to be from one character's point of view. And it's just so from Charlie's mm-hmm. point of view, like got the, you know, the way that he interacts with women is like so terrible. It's like yeah. very, very hard so to watch. So hard to watch. Uh, so hard to watch. One of the hardest things is uh, he's hitting on the Judy Greer ra- Oh my God, I literally waitress. muted it during this scene because uh, it was so hard to watch. Like, he just like, invites her out but in a very sloppy way and then like she goes and tells another waitress and like looks back that kills me every oh time oh my god i know oh i'm sorry so i'll just be right back with your pie then how good is nick cage in this movie oh like god, he's amazing what he's an amazing actor amazing. that we always forget about and or just does dumb shit that we don't care about i mean is this the last time he played like a true doof i think there was a weatherman in there i don't know 
Oh, okay. But that the guy the Mandy was kind of cool. doof-esque. But he's, he's just kind of such a fucking doof in <laughs> yeah, this movie. Like... That's Charlie Kaufman, and they have him in this crazy wig, which I don't know if Charlie Kaufman has gotten hair plugs or something, but I looked up a recent oh, picture yeah. of him, and he doesn't look like he's balding at all. So I don't know why. He's like obsessed with talking about being balding in this movie. Uh, another oh, a beautiful thing about this movie, why I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, so the meta is so front and so forward uh, and impossible to know. It, it allows for like so much beautiful commentary in the subtext uh and this is just good writing and it's just, just how the genius of charlie kaufman uh, uh love existing within loneliness uh like laroche's wife's death uh did she die i guess she just divorced him anyway uh she just she was in a coma for a while uh, yeah there's a lot of like a lot of stuff with loneliness uh masturbation as a coping like there's so many masturbation. so many scenes of him imagining and is this the way that charlie kaufman masturbates he imagines women that he's met during the day yeah. having sex with him and that's how he masturbates that's that's weird. Yeah. That's very, very weird. It's very weird. I mean, not to judge, but like, that's fucking weird. You can judge that. Uh, and all these, and, uh, he even like, in a way, defends these tropes and cliches uh, in a very roundabout way, saying that there are shields to protect us from like these really bigger truths too. That like, yeah. Uh, this is just a very little aside. So there's a whole, like, run, for a good chunk of the movie, there's a running joke that Donald is writing a screenplay and it's like all the worst cliches in the it's world. It's called The Three. It's called The Three, <laughs> right? It's a, like a serial, people chasing a serial killer. It turns out all the characters are the same person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is a moment where he says, I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback, cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. And I was like, oh, that, like, in John Wick 3? Like, that is, like, literally what happens in John Wick 3. <laughs> Damn. There's a motorcycle versus horse. Uh, so he was not wrong, you know? Some other cast in it. Well, I mentioned Tilda, who's great in it. She just brings gravitas. She plays the agent who's in charge uh, of uh, helping Charlie, getting Charlie's script done. And she's also talking to Susan Orlin. Uh, and she just brings, like, a gravitas. I also think this Ron Livingston is in this movie. I think this was peak Ron Livingston time. Uh, Office, like, space Office Space was 99. Yeah. Uh, he's great in Band of Brothers, which is, uh, I believe, around like 2001, 2002. Yeah, something like uh, that. So this was like... Peak Ron Livingston. You're he, right. You're still, totally he right. He still acts. He's still good in things. Like he's in... Uh, what that, is he in right now? Do you he's know? in that show um, with Aaliyah Shawkat, uh, Search Party. Oh, okay. Uh, he does some voiceover work, but he, he pops up and shit. Yeah, I mean, he was good uh, at but this. He's and never, he's, playing, he's also playing a complete yeah, idiot. Complete he's, asshole, he's Charlie's yeah. agent, and he's just he reads the three Donald script and goes, this is the best thing Donald's I've read all year. <laughs> Donald's genius. Wow, two in one family. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it's it's definitely the like blues hammer of this movie. Oh, right? damn, you yeah, know? true. Yeah. Um, good call. But, um, oh, no, I don't know what I was going to say, actually. We could wrap it up. I think yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, so oh, we haven't even talked about Meryl Streep. Like, very quickly, oh, let's just Lord. say, like, she's... She's very... Oh, and I started to say the movie the way that's treating Susan Orlean. You can basically see Charlie Kaufman being very jealous of her and imagining her mm -hmm. in a very unfavorable way and through the course of the movie dragging her down to his level until he is at a higher level than her. That's kind of what the movie does. Um... But her performance at the beginning, she's so like kind of smug and self-satisfied. This, you know, how, what you might imagine a New Yorker writer and successful nonfiction book writer would be like with her fancy Manhattan friends and her like well-ordered workspace, you know, <laughs> everything Charlie Kaufman is jealous of and hates. Um, and then she slowly goes completely insane. Uh, and it's a great, it's a great, it's a great performance. Great performance. Uh, so we said like, yeah, she goes insane. Uh, there's car chases. Uh, uh, there's a part where she gets stoned and does dial tone. Uh, That's yeah, great. That's a great scene. Yeah, it's it, a really good scene. It goes. This movie goes uh, off the rails purposely, uh, and the only way it can do that is through these really grounding performances from Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. Uh, like you yeah. can see, like like speaking of range of actors, like within a movie, she's giving you like Hollywood glop and like this really arty sense, and just combining it and. It's probably one of her best performances. I like Defending Your Life a lot. I like Silkwood a lot. But I would say Adaptation's right up there it's with all-time Meryl Streep. Uh, probably couldn't do a movie like this without like high-caliber caliber acting, and they got Meryl Streep, and that's absolutely and amazing. Great. The best you can do, especially, I mean, this is like very peak, peak, peak Oh, yeah, Meryl. she's 
very attractive in this movie too. Right. I mean, you know, for an old lady, I don't know, you know. <laughs> 2002. You know, it was like not, 20 I, mean, years I don't ago. mean that at all. <laughs> um, no, she's fantastic. She's absolutely yeah. fantastic. And Legend. especially because the way you get to see her go from like I'm saying this kind of uptight, self-satisfied version of herself to be like really trying to get in and then realizing that she's like that and then trying to get in touch with something deeper and then actually doing it all in the course of this movie and you see her performance change so much and, and that she's completely unrecognizable by the end of the movie basically that's that's great you know that's 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 what you call good acting yeah. you know um so yeah caleb like let's say um, you have to be chased through a swamp and eaten by an alligator if you don't pick one of these movies these as your actually orchids. best choice movies um to alleviate the suspense uh i would very few movies overall that exist i would pick over adaptation it's really one of my favorite movies i have a very special relationship with it uh i've seen it like m- multiple times uh so i Lived in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Of course, this artsy movie's not playing there. I ripped it off of Kaza'a. Oh, it was like two separate parts. I'm admitting to movie piracy right now. Yeah, I uh, they're coming after you now. Yeah. I know. Uh, but I remember like watching it, and it absolutely blew my mind. And I was very into like uh, Mr. Show. They had like Dino's had those meta sketches in there, and it was like a whole like movie that could be. It blew my mind. Like a movie can be written this way. Um, and I love Little Women. I think it's very good. Uh, and, and like I said, I really like the ending for Middle, Little Women, uh, where it gets kind of meta, where uh, her and Tracy Liss are just like talking about a book deal. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I did not expect this from this movie. And you even get to like be that meta through uh, from a movie like Adaptation paving the way just like busting a totally. door down that's totally true and i mean uh, they are very interesting in the way they portray writing differently oh like, yeah they are movies where there's like three diff- very distinctly different writers um and i you know i think the one the joe march version where you just like lock yourself in the attic and oh, write yeah. and write and write and then that was it's a very all good perfect scene. i mean it's a good scene but it's like that's not what writing is like <laughs> like it was much more like adaptation that is what writing is like <laughs> this is uh adaptation be- him being like okay i gotta get coffee but no i should get coffee after right coffee as reward <laughs> yeah, coffee exactly, and a muffin exactly <laughs> Yeah, and then just like jumping up out of bed and writing a bunch like feverishly, yeah. and then he's like so sweaty in this movie. So sweaty, so sweaty. Ugh. But so you pick adaptation. I pick adaptation. I mean, it is a definitely a very tough choice. You're right. Adaptation is one of the all time great films and an absolutely mind blowingly creative example of filmmaking and of the type that was not made before and is not made now. You know, and it was like amazing that it got to happen at all, and it's fantastic. Um, you know, that said, I think that if I think of if I think about rewatchability of a movie now, obviously, I'm not the kind of person that's going to watch this little woman a, a million times, except that I have a daughter and I do think I'm going to watch it a million times. Aww. And I think that I'm totally OK with that. I think that it's a movie that is like it's like we were saying before, it's a family film. It's a classic for all time. It's genuinely deeply emotional. Uh, it's got a bunch of dreamy boys in it. Actually, just one dreamy boy. Um, and, you know, I think it's like an amazing film. I think it's an amazing accomplishment from Greta Gerwig. I think yes. all the performances are amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Little Women. I got to go with Little mm. Women. Sentiment wins out. What can I say, guys? Um, Sentimental mind. Anyway, we're like way late. We're supposed to meet our friend at this comedy show in five minutes. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so I think that's the whole show for this week, guys. <laughs> um, thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, thank you. I love you. Okay, goodbye. Buck Henry passed away. Buck Henry was so oh, fucking yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's very sad. Like I even, re- I was like just reading shit about him today. I forgot that, uh, like on the Daily Show, he was the senior senior correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so funny. I don't remember that at all. I, I have no, I have no, I have zero memory of that. <laughs> he was a uh, he hosted SNL ten times in like four years. That's or, crazy. Uh, like no, like the eighties, but still like under ten years. Yeah, I saw 10. that they always had him. Someone said like he always was the end of season yeah, host because uh, he did all the crazy st- shit. Yeah.